Hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm Hannah, and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah, and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the message. Well, good morning, New Community Church. If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, my name is Hannah. My husband, Brandon, and I are the pastors here, and we're so glad that you have joined us this Sunday morning. And Brie and I actually just celebrated our 16th wedding anniversary over this weekend. There we go. Big time right there. Something I've come to expect uh, during our anniversary dinners is Brandon's got like this never-ending list of questions that he pulls out. Every year it grows, it expands, and questions like what was the most memorable thing that we did this past year together? Or simple questions like, I, actually they're not simple, I kind of think they're ridiculous. Uh, here, here's one he'll ask, what's your favorite outfit of mine that I've worn this past year? To which I'm like, I don't even know. Like. I'm not looking, actually, I buy his clothes, so I, I do look at his clothes. Um, some questions get repeated, like, what's your favorite gift that I've ever given you? And so this year, I said um, that 35-pound kettlebell that you gave me for Mother's Day one year that I'm pretty sure you wanted, but actually, I love, and it's my kettlebell now. But um, questions like that, there's questions that are just, you know, take us to that deeper conversation that really set the tone for the rest of the evening. And I want to start today with one of those questions. And here it is. Who has been the greatest influence on your life and what have they taught you? Who has been the greatest influence on your life and what have they taught you? I want you to think about that for a minute. For me, that person is my sister, Reagan. She is 12 years older than me, so growing up, she was like a second mom, but now she's my best friend. And she has earned that spot in my life because she's a voice that I can trust. Like, I know that she loves me, that she cares about me, and she's always had this posture of calling me to be the person that I was created to be. I can remember when I was younger, she was away at college, and I loved math, and she loved math. Really, I love math because she loved math. And she would write me letters with math problems in them and mail them to me so that I could work on math while she was away at college. And um, while the math problems dissipated, she still continued to write letters. And the one letter that I have on my desk right now is a letter where she wrote me. And she told me how proud she is of me. And that is why she's one of the greatest influences of my life. And I want you to think about that and hold on to it as we start our conversation today. We are in the middle of this series where we're asking the question, we're taking time to answer of what it would look like to live our lives all about that one, all about that one. There's someone in our sphere of influence that God has placed in our lives intentionally so that we can be a love and a witness of God's love for them in their lives. And that first week we talked about how valuable the one is to God, that they're so valuable that God's distracted when they're lost. And last week we talked about how God wants us to see his, his, uh, the value of those ones who are lost and really see them and really care for them and value them the same way that he does. And as we dive in today, I want to start by sharing a statistic with you that I re recently read. Uh, Barna did this study where uh, they were looking at the 
uh, Gen Z generation. And if you're unfamiliar with the Gen Z generation, these are people that are born from the years 1997 to 2012, roughly. And uh, so about one in four fall into this category. I think there's like 74 million people in the Gen Z generation. And Barna did this study, and they came out with this, that uh, two out of three are expected to leave the church. Within that Gen Z generation, two out of three are expected to leave the church. I just want you to let that sink in for a moment. Because often when we think about the, the ones in our lives that we're supposed to impact, we think horizontally, like we think peer to peer. But when we see a statistic like this, when we see a number like this, that is not just a Gen Z problem. That is an every generation problem. We have all influenced, we have all impacted, we have created that problem. And so that's something that we all need to care about. And when you look at scripture, scripture tells us that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And it's very apparent that the enemy is killing identity. He's destroying purpose, and he's, he's killing that calling that uh, that next generation has as living as sons and daughters of the Most High God. And God calls every one of us to live a generational life where we're thinking about the one who is next. We're supposed to live a life where we're calling the one who is next to know about God and the life that he has for them. And so today, I want to ask you this question. I really believe it's a question the Lord's asking all of us, every single one of, it, every single one of us. And it's this, who is the one that I want you to influence the most? Who is the one that I want you to influence the most? When you look at scripture, you see that God's heart has always been for one generation to care about the next generation. In fact, when the people of God left Egypt and they were, uh, God was getting ready to create a people group into a nation, this was something that got implanted in their hearts and put in their DNA and said that this was something that they were going to be about. And I want to show you a command that you see in scripture from that point in time. And I'm going to read through the passage, but then I'm going to take a moment just to read it verse by verse, just to really help you understand and grasp what the Lord was asking us to do. Moses spoke to, I mean, the Lord spoke to Moses and he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. And these commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children and talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up and tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames, on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. How God begins this command is so significant. He says, hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. This is so important because God doesn't say, hear, O parents. He doesn't say, hear, O, o uh, families. He says, hear, O Israel. And in this moment, God is assigning responsibility to a community. He's saying every single one of you needs to be thinking about this generation, this future generation. It's not just a parent's job. It's the community's job. And what, is, it's, what I love, it's almost like as God is saying, hey, there's going to come a mo moment when your kids can't receive help from you, and there needs to be a community around you that can help lead and guide your children too. Just this past week, our son wants to be um, 
he shared that he wants to be the SCA representative for his class. And so we were talking about some of the things that he needs to do to prepare for that. And he says he has to write a speech. And he's like, but I don't know who to ask me to help write the speech. And I was like, um, I said, hey, buddy, your mom and dad, we have a little bit of experience doing that. And he was like, he just looked at me and said, nah, I'm going to ask my friend Malik. <laughs> I was like, okay. I mean, even at the age of eight, they're, they're looking for someone else's influence in their life. And the reason why the saying is it takes a village to raise kids is because it takes a village to raise kids. It's God's design, and he wants his people to be all about that. And so God says, hear, O Israel. Love the Lord with part of your heart, with part of your soul, and some of your strength. Is that what it says? No, it says with all of your heart. He's saying go all in, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. God doesn't want to settle for anything less. God wants your best. And the reason why is because God has gone all in with you. And no relationship works. No relationship works when one side is just giving and giving and giving and the other side is just taking and taking and taking. God wants us to go all in with him, to give our best because he's already given everything for you. He's saying, love me with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. And he doesn't end it there. Here in this command, he's saying, we are to set the expectation for the next generation of how to go all in, of how to love the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. The Lord continues, he says, these commandments I give you today, they're to be on your hearts. So impress them on your children and talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Basically, God is saying, make your faith a part of your every day. Like when you sit at the table at night, talk about God. When you're on your way to practice, talk about what God has done in your life today. Pray together before you go to bed and, and read scripture before you wake up. He's saying make it a part of your every day. He says tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses. In other words, God is saying teach the, the next generation that God is not just part of your life. He is your life. He is the center of your life because you are loving him wholeheartedly. You're loving him wholeheartedly. And can I take a moment just to talk to parents in the room for a moment? Sometimes we are apprehensive about you know, like feeling like we're shoving our faith down our kids' throats. And we, we're apprehensive because we, we don't want to do anything that will push them away from our Heavenly Father. But can I just speak some truth to that right now? That any time we respond in fear, we are not being led by the Holy Spirit. We're not being led by the Holy Spirit. Listen, Scripture says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. And so any time that we are afraid, we're not following where the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding us. And if we are loving the Lord with our whole self, with our whole heart, our kids will see that. They will see that. And they're not expecting us to be perfect they're looking to see if our love for our Heavenly Father is genuine. They're looking to see if it's genuine. And if they witness uh, you allowing the love of the Lord to inform your mind and to, to shape your life, you're helping build that step of trust with your children. You're helping build that step of trust. 
I'll never forget when we felt like the Lord was calling us to start this church. At first, I was a little nervous because I didn't want schedules and pressure and busyness to get in the way of our kids' relationship with God. But truth be told, schedules and pressure and busyness has a way of infiltrating any relationship, starting a church or not, right? And so the Lord just dispelled that fear. And he said, Hannah, your kids are going to witness me create something out of nothing. And so that was a promise that we held on to as we started a new community. And I'll never forget when we started this church, we, before we started, we pulled up into this parking lot. And we told our kids what we felt like the Lord was telling us to do. And our son piped up. He was five years old. And he said, can we pray and can we sing holy, holy, holy together? And so we got out of the car and we stood in a circle. And we all held hands and we prayed. And then the very first worship song from New Community unto the Lord was holy, holy, holy. And it was lifted up by our five-year-old in that parking lot right outside the doors. This church has never been just our church, our thing. It is our family's church. It's the, it's, it, it, it matters as much to them as it matters to me and Brandon. And that's the thing, that when God does a work in you, it never just stays in you. It ripples into your children. It ripples into that next generation. And it's a part of their story, and it's a part of their faith story. And the thing is, is as Jesus followers, we have been called to implant spiritual life into that next generation. It's a part of our call. It's our duty. And it has never been about what God wants to do in you. It's always about what God wants to do through you so that others can taste and see and see the power and the authority of our Heavenly Father. This command that, that God gives in Deuteronomy, it doesn't have an expiration date. In fact, Jesus himself, he references this command. And so God's looking at you, and he's looking at me, and he wants us to, to, to see the ones who are yet to be, to tell them about the love and the life that God has for them. It's every single one of our responsibilities. I love what King David says. He says, now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O God, but let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. I love King David is this iconic leader, and he says, God, I might be old and gray, but I know there's more that I need to do. I, like, I'm not done doing what you've called me to do. He says, let me proclaim to this next generation. Let me tell them about your power and your might because there's more to do. There's more to be said. God, I am not through. And there's, it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter your position. Listen, God has a work that he wants to do in and through you. He wants to make an impact in your life through you. That's what God is calling each one of us to today, is to stand open-handed before him and allow him to do a work in and through us. We have all been called. We all have this responsibility. So how can we put some intentionality into these relationships around us? How can we put some intentionality in the relationships with the ones who are next? Today, I just want to show you three simple ways that we can be intentional in investing in the ones who are next. Here they are. Here's the first one. Be an example. Be an example. Uh, the Apostle Paul teaches us this posture of living for the one who's watching. He says, uh, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. 
as I follow the example as Christ. As Jesus followers, we are all called to be an example. So I charge you, lead a life worthy of that calling. Be, be a life that's worthy of that following because they're going to be watching. They're going to be watching. And I love what Paul says. He says, encourage the young men to be, uh, to be self-controlled. And everything set an example by doing what is good. Set these habits. Have your relationship with your heavenly father as a priority in your life. Love him with your whole self. And let that love be genuine because they're watching. They're going to be watching. Don't live by the mantra, do as I say, not as I do. Listen, people can smell hypocrisy. They can smell it. And we're supposed to be helping build that bridge of trust. And hypocrisy is the thing that destroys trust. It destroys it. It tears it down. So lead a life worthy of that calling. They're going to be watching no matter what. So why not be intentional about how you're leading your life? I'll never forget, uh, a few years ago, we were having some family pictures taken, and Brian and I had a couple of headshots uh, done as well. And I'll be honest, I hate having my picture taken. Like, I'm very uncomfortable when we have that, um, when they are done. And after we were finished, our girls asked if they could have some of their headshots taken. And we were like, sure, why not? So uh, go ahead and put these pictures up. Do you want to know what I think about every time I see these pictures? Here are two little girls that did everything that I did. Hand on their hip. They held each other's hands because they saw me and Brandon hold hands. But they did it with full confidence. They had no idea how insecure I was or how uncomfortable I was. They were just watching me, and they thought I was worth following. It's one of the most humbling moments of my life. It doesn't matter how insecure or uncomfortable you are. We've been called to lead this life worthy of our calling. We don't have to be perfect. We just have to have this posture of love, and it changes everything. And what I love in Scripture, it doesn't tell us just to be an example, but it shows us to have put some intentionality into our relationships. I love in the New Testament, Titus, he calls, uh, he calls for the older women to mentor younger women. And the Apostle Paul, he coaches Timothy to, to develop others and to invest in them and pass on all the things that he's learned. That's what Timothy tells, I mean, that's what Paul tells Timothy to do. He's saying, be an example and put some intentionality into your relationships. Here's the second thing. Be available. Be available. That means just with your time, create this space with your time. And something that I love about new community is there are so many of you that are so available in so many different ways. There's some people that serve multiple times in our kids' environments in a month. There, there's so many coaches within our community where you're available for the next generation I thought about one family, I'm pretty sure their car is packed every single Sunday that they come to church because they are bringing neighbors' kids so that they can all know about the love of Jesus. I mean, you all are incredible. You create the space to be available for that next generation. And I love what Scripture says. It says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. Help us to spend them as we should. It's not about counting your days. It's about making your days count. It's about making your days count. Have you ever had a moment where you've been like 
going crazy. You're saying yes to everything. And then you stand back at the end of the week and you're like, what did I accomplish this week? Right? Sometimes we can be driven by the busyness and we're not accomplishing anything. And the invitation the Lord has for you this morning is to allow him to make the most of your days. Where you're laying your schedule, your availability before the Lord. And I want you to lean in with me on this thought that when you're loving the Lord with your whole self, with your whole heart, his love has a way of invading your life. And he has a way of informing your days and shaping your schedule. He is setting the agenda. And it's no longer about what you want to do, but it's about what the Lord wants to do through you. It's about what the Lord wants to do through you. I love what Paul says. Uh, He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but but each of you to the interest of others. He's saying, don't be self-serving. Don't think only about yourself, but create the space for your life to invest in the ones who are around you. to, To invest in that next generation. And maybe you've been controlling your schedule and you've been, you've been trying to uh, just be in charge and God's saying, hey, can I set the agenda? Can I set the priorities in your life? And this call to invest in the next generation, it's not just for the olders down to the youngers. It's for every single generation. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your qualifications. Everyone has been called to this responsibility. And something that I love this summer, one of our older NUCO students took it upon herself to invest in some of the younger students. And so this summer, she started a texting chain. She did a, a, a Bible study through the Bible app so that they connect, could connect during the week. And what I love most about her intentionality is she was gone an entire month. She didn't see them face-to-face at all. But she wanted to be intentional about investing in the ones who are next. And what I love is when one of the younger students decided that they wanted to be baptized, do you know who they called to get help writing their testimony? They called the older student. Isn't that incredible? And y'all, we're talking about one student. Imagine if this we have a group of students who are thinking about the ones who are next, where they're investing and pouring into them. Y'all, when, some of the greatest growth in our life happens when we're thinking about somebody else and we're leading someone behind us, right? And so think about this next generation. If we get them on fire about leading and investing in the ones who are next, think about the change that's going to take place. Think about the impact that is going to happen. And maybe God is talking to you this morning, and he's saying, this is something I want you to do. I want you to invest in this younger generation where you're calling them to faith, where you're helping them take those steps of trust with me. And if that's you, we have a parent meeting coming up in a couple of weeks, and I invite you to come and be a part. Let me and Brandon know or let someone know, and we'll help connect you to that parent meeting. But I want to give you this picture It's something that Brie and I uh, heard on a mission trip one time, that students and kids in the next generation, they're just tall candles. And when they are lit, they burn a really long time. And if they give their heart to Jesus when they are young, they get to burn that candle for a really, really long time. And so that while that time that you're creating right now, it might be 20 minutes, an hour each week, 
your investment is only multiplying through the years, and it's incredible to think about. So be available. Create the space for God to set the agenda in your life. Here's the third thing. Be positive about them. Be positive about them. And I'm going to invite the band to come on up. We're getting ready to close in a minute. But <clears throat> sometimes we are so quick to point out all the things that are wrong in life, right? Like the music's too loud, the, the restaurant's too slow, those, those kids are too rambunctious. We point out everything that's wrong, and we point out all the mistakes. And I want you to lean in with me on this thought, that what gets noticed gets repeated, that what gets noticed gets repeated. And if all we're noticing are, are the things that are wrong, and if all that we're talking about are the things that are, that are wrong, then we are part of the blame for why things keep repeating. We are all a part of it. And sometimes <clears throat> we are all a part of it. And uh, this next generation, they don't need us to point out what's wrong. They need us to come alongside them and affirm who God created them to be. They need us to be positive about them. I love what Ralph Waldo Emerson says. He says, treat a man as he is, and he will remain as he is. And treat a man as he could be, and he will become what he should be. It's one of my favorite quotes. And there's so many pictures of this in Scripture. I mean, Jesus, this is who Jesus is. He calls all of us to become the person that he created us to be. But there's one relationship I want us to kind of zoom in on as we finish up today. And it's with the Apostle Paul and, his, and Timothy, someone that he was mentoring. Timothy is leading this church, and things are not going well. Actually, it's a hot mess. And Paul decides to write this letter to Timothy where he's encouraging him. And I want us to pick up on some of uh, on the conversation that he has with them. He says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that some and I know that same faith continues strong in you. I know that same faith continues strong in you. I want to point out two things real quick. First is this how is it that Eunice and Lois have always been old people names? Like <laughs> What in the world? But anyways, here's what's really incredible to me. In this moment, Paul is acknowledging two women that have invested into this man. And while uh, Eunice is Paul's, I mean, Timothy's mother, we can't miss how powerful this is because a woman did not have this type of authority in a man's life. They went to the temple and they sat um, under rabbis and they learned there. A woman did not do that. A mother did not do that. And so Paul's acknowledging their investment. He's acknowledging their influence on his life. And I love this picture of Paul being that community, coming alongside of them. And he, he's calling, uh, he's setting the example, and he calls Timothy to become who he was created to be. I love what Paul says next. He says, this is why. Because their faith, their investment in you, that it that was started in them and it's now in you. This is why I call you to remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gifts that God gives you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, uh, of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. Listen, Paul in this moment, he's calling Timothy to become the leader that God had created him to be. 
He's not condemning him. He's not criticizing him. He's calling him to become the man he was created to be. Listen, he says, God has put his spirit in you. And he, he, he hasn't given you a spirit of timidity, but he's given you one of power and love and self-discipline. Listen, Paul is calling up his leadership. He's not criticizing him. He's calling him up. And we have been called to do the same, to have that type of investment in the one who's around us. I'll never forget when we were getting ready to start a new community, I wasn't sure I wanted to be a co-pastor with Brandon. While we both have a ton of experience, I didn't have the years of experience as Brandon. And Brandon wanted us to co-lead. And my mentor at that time, she was talking to me. She said, Hannah, Brandon's never been a lead pastor. He has zero years of experience in that. And she said, and there's a work that God wants to do in and through both of you. See, I kept seeing where I didn't measure up. And she was there ready to call me up. And that's what God is asking you and me to be. To call that next generation. To call them to see beyond what they see. To call them to have a greater faith in their Heavenly Father. To go all in and to love Him with their whole self. So today I want to end by asking you this question. Who is the one God is asking you to influence today. Who is the one? We've all been called. We've all been called to carry this responsibility. So lead a life worthy of your calling. Some of you, a name is popping into your head right now. For some of you, you're you're thinking, you know what, I need to reevaluate my schedule. And I need to let God set the agenda. But God's just looking for you and for me to take that step today where we're loving him with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength. Would you stand with me this morning? For some of you this morning, you are thinking about some of the ways that you can't take this step. For some of you, you're like, I don't know any kids. And if that's your response, you know what, I got you. I know some kids. I can, I can help you out. Uh, for some of you, you're thinking, Hannah, I'm new to faith. I don't know enough. And I just want to encourage you today that you don't have to be an expert. In fact, all you need to know is your story. There's so much power in your story, and God can influence and, in, and call up others through your story. And for some of you, you're thinking, Hannah, I'm not a kid person. If you're not a kid person, I'm not asking you to be a kid person. In fact, I love that one, of, uh, one person in our Randolph-Macon college group, do you know what he does? He's just owning bringing pizza to the small group. You know, like if you feed them, they will come. And so he brings pizza to that small group because that's how he can invest in the one. I think about our setup team. They're creating the space for kids to know Jesus every single Sunday. They're not in the kid environment, but they're creating it. Sometimes we just got to get creative with our yes of how we can be all in. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to invite you right now just to surrender your life to the Lord and say, hey, God, I'm all in. 
God, you can use me. Here am I. Send me. You know, this word uh, from the song that we sang earlier, it's your breath in my lungs. Just thinking about that, we have the breath of God in our lungs. He's breathing in and breathing out. We have a responsibility to lead a life worthy of that breath that's filling our lungs. So would you just raise your hands this morning just as a posture of saying, hey, God, I'm all in. God, here am I. Use me. God, we lift our lives to you right now. We surrender our lives to you, Lord. Would you come and be our leader and be our Lord, Lord? Would you come and would you fill us? Would your Holy Spirit come and fill us? And would you lead and guide us? Would we lead a life worthy of the calling that you've given to each one of us? In Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Come on, let's just dedicate our lives unto you, Lord. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.